We open our Bibles together to Psalm 6, and our verse for this morning that we'll be looking at is verse 8. We are going to look at the psalm mostly on the whole. It's a brief psalm, and there's some important things to see there as we sang. But we're going to be focusing on verse 6, and actually mostly the second part. We're interested to focus particularly on the part of how our tears, our cries, our prayer to God, they have a voice, and God answers. Psalm 6, verse 8, hear now the word of the Lord. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. I'll read that again since it's brief. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. And this is the part that we're focusing on today. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. Beloved, if someone was trapped in a pit, had fallen in a pit, maybe in a remote area hiking, and all they could do to be rescued was to cry out, help, help, save me, help, what might might make them stop trying to do that? If that crying is the only way they could be rescued, but they might decide to stop crying, what could cause them to stop crying? If they knew there was no one there to hear them. It is important to know that God is there and God hears you. In fact, in particular, we see today God hears your tears. Sometimes that's all we have to offer in prayer. And as we'll see, that's enough. And because he hears, he will help. And crying may be the only thing you can do sometimes. And oftentimes, it may be the best thing you can do. The very appropriate way of calling out to God, of waiting on God, on seeking God's deliverance. It could be asked sometimes, especially as we think of certain things that should be the cause for crying, we may say, have you cried yet? And if not, that may be your problem. I know of some, some close to me have said, I can't cry. I haven't cried in years. I'm not capable of it. That's usually in a response to the fact they've been far from the Lord and the difficult things they're handling, they're not handling giving themselves to the Lord and crying out to it. They become callous and hard, trying to be strong in our own strength. Well, that's a place you get to where you don't even think you can cry out anymore. Crying is often the best thing we can do. The motivation not to become overcome by evil is that God hears our weeping in the midst of it and will help. I give that to you as the main idea of our verse in its context, focusing on the second part. The motivation to not be overcome by evil is that God hears our weeping in the midst of it and will help. You know, I'm mindful of Romans where it says, don't be overcome by evil, chapter 12 of Romans, but overcome evil with good. And that we're not to be overcome with evil, but in that sense, as we feel overwhelmed, an important way of not being overcome with evil that we would do good is to cry. To cry out to God because it's real, it's painful, it's hurtful, that he would help us and heal us. Crying helps. Notice David is being attacked by his enemies. Look at the first part of verse 8. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. He's crying because there are people trying to make him sin, trying to sin against him, trying to hurt him. We know from many of the Psalms, his life is at risk. 
Look at verse 10. Let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. He has this sense of, help me, God. Help me, please. I have people trying to kill me. I got people, people trying to tear me down. As you said, Jesus, I have people trying to persecute me, saying all things against me wrongly for your righteousness and your name's sake. Don't just try to be stoic about it like you can't be touched. Part of how Christ strengthens you to do all things and be content is to let it out to him in Christ so you don't try to bear it on yourself. As we're told in the Psalms and Peter, cast all your cares upon him for he careth for you. How do we best cast our cares to somebody? Same thing with our friendships. When we just say, can I talk to you about something? And we can cry in their arms and seek their comfort and counsel. The Holy Spirit is there to comfort and counsel us, to receive us and help us cry and bring it to the Lord. Because there are difficult things we go through in this life, especially serving Christ. He tells us that in the Beatitudes. We're told in the scriptures, especially if you're going to seek to live godly for him, you're going to seek to really try to walk in his ways, his narrow ways, you're going to even be persecuted by others who bear the name of Christ. And you can feel lonely, you can feel betrayed, hurt, and you need to be able to give it to God, cry out to him. He is weak from these attacks, and so are we. He is weak. Look at verses 2 and 3. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? Body and soul, he is weak and struggling. Remember we saw recently when he said, you are worthy to be praised And that's how I'm saved from my enemies. And Samuel, he was saved from all these Philistines and giants, but he almost died. And they thought he was, the giant thought he killed him. And his own people said, you can't go to war with us anymore. You almost were completely destroyed. He really knows what he's, I mean, these are not, these are words from his real experience on the battlefield, real battlefield. And in our battlefields of life, in our seeking to serve the Lord and all of our struggles, we need to go to the Lord. And, you know, you cry, especially when you're particularly hurt, particularly vulnerable, particularly in need of being defended. And think about being hit and fallen on the battlefield. You've got to cry out for someone else to come and rescue you and help you. And that's what we have to do. We've got to cry out to God because we are weak because of the attacks of our enemies. Remembering that sometimes the greatest enemy is ourself. Thus, because he is weak and he knows his own sins, and sometimes he, like we, bring her into our own situations, he's concerned not to be lost and not to be abandoned by God because God alone is our refuge and our strength and our shield and our ever-present help in struggles and troubles and trials. And he's concerned that his troubles don't take him away from God as they could and often tempt us to be taken away from God. It's when we're the most vulnerable and the most weak and the most sorrowful. We've got to come to God that we would not have him away from us. He's concerned not to be abandoned. Verse 4, return, O Lord. Deliver my soul. O save me for thy mercy's sake. Of course, that's in Christ. He doesn't say, I deserve it. He doesn't say, deliver me because I, I shouldn't have this happen to me. He says, save me for thy mercy's sake. We ask God because of the mercy of God in Christ, save us from our sins, from sinners, from difficulties. 
And he weeps because he is weak. He weeps until he is helped. And his weeping is what helps him. Look at the second part of our verse, the part we're focusing on today. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. We really want to think about that phrase, and we will a bit later. The voice of my weeping, but also that God has heard it. His hope is in the resolve that God has heard my crying. My tears have a voice, as it were. Look at verse 9. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. He weeps. Oh, excuse me. I wanted to look at verses 6 and 7 with you. Notice, notice all the weeping, not just in verse 8. I, I meant to say, turn to verses uh, 6 and 7. I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears. Mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Notice that problem with the enemies again. He is speaking, of course, metaphorically, but not without a literal reality. I don't know that his bed is necessarily all the way soaked with tears flooding. But haven't you been there when you've had a good cry and then you notice what's on your pillow? A pretty good soak of a puddle. David's saying this is an appropriate way to respond to difficulties and to come to God for help. He says, I've been doing it all night. You ever been there? If you haven't, you probably should have. You probably need to go there. There's times where we're up all night crying out to God over something. We can't sleep. Red eyes, right? You know, it's obvious when someone's been crying. You can tell they've been crying. That aspect of being up all night, we can see it in someone's face. And that aspect of crying, we can see it. There are times that's not inappropriate. And as you do want to wet your face and cleanse as you come to places, someone notice it's not something to hide from or be embarrassed about. So I've been crying out to God. And you can share your needs and concerns for prayer. You know, what we do, just like when someone dies, nobody wants to talk about it with the person. And when someone's going through pain and struggles, and you can see they're crying, everybody avoids that person in our culture. It's the opposite of what should happen in Scripture. We should not be afraid to go over and say, brother, sister, it looks like you've been crying out to God. Can I be there for you? I've been there. And I'm going to ask you to be there for me when it's my turn again. So that we can comfort one another. And help them keep turning to the Lord. And help protect them from turning to other things that the devil is holding there before us for a false comfort and a peace that's not Christ's peace, but of this world. And therefore won't really comfort and will never last. Beloved, God will hear and help. Again, the second part of verse 8. He heard my voice. Verse 9, now I want to be there. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Beloved, don't be afraid to cry. Your crying can be some of your best prayers. Most effective. Most transforming. And your best friends will not tell you to stop crying. Your best friends will cry with you. They'll have compassion and feel your pain, just as Christ did with the multitudes. Romans 12, verse 15. Yes, we're to rejoice with those who rejoice, but what else are we to do? We are to weep with them who weep. It is a lost art in the Western church. 
We think we have to be strong and strength is looking like nothing hits us and we're never sad. That's not Christianity. And that's a good way to never be relieved of your pain. We are to weep with them who weep. We need to be a place that is safe to weep. We need to pray that as the Lord would provide revival and reformation, there'd be weeping in the pews over our sins, crying out to God, coming to him, bearing our sorrows as families, individuals, and as his church. Looking to walk away with the comfort and the cleansing and the strengthening and renewing that comes from having that time with the Lord. Yes, there's a lot to be said about having joy in the Lord and approaching it with joy and gladness and thanksgiving. And we've also talked a lot about this. But God gives us everything to work with. He wants us to be the whole person. And as the Psalms given to us by God to worship him have been spoken of, they give us every emotion, every expression and experience to be able to bring to the Lord. And together, as you weep, you can proclaim the testimony of Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2. I love the Lord, because he hath heard my voice and my supplications. Because he hath inclined his ear unto me, therefore will I call upon him as long as I live. That can be your testimony. But to get that testimony, you've got to be able to go to God crying experiencing his comfort and relief and deliverance. You don't need words to pray, beloved. Now, you heard me say earlier, Christianity is a a thinking man's religion. Uh, Christianity is about doctrine. It's belief. It's very many important things to know and understand. But you don't have to have words to pray. And sometimes when we're in despair or we're struggling... It could be our own feeling of being deserted by God because of our own sins deserting him. We can feel as if we have nothing to say. And how dare we approach God that way? But the scripture is showing us, just cry to him. Just cry. Verse 8, the voice of my weeping. The weeping, in a sense, has its own words before the Lord. Is the Holy Spirit not within you, ready to comfort you? When you are seeking the comfort and counsel of a good friend, often, is there anything else you can do but cry on their shoulder? And isn't their best comfort being there with their shoulder, arm around you, crying with you? So you get to the place where you can talk and have words. Too often Satan would keep you away from fellowship with the Lord, thinking that your despair is sinful, thinking that your depression is sinful. It isn't. It's real. There are real causes for it. The distinction needs to be, what do you do with it? Do you go to God with it? Go to God and cry. Sometimes we say later, I'm feeling better. Why? Because I had a good cry. There's a way the Lord ministers to us as we can just let it out and pour out and have that cleansing experience of the streams flowing through. You don't need words to pray. Tears will suffice. Don't be alarmed if you don't have literal tears coming down. We all sometimes cry in different ways. But that heart's cry, that groaning we see being spoken about, that groaning and struggling in pain before the Lord. Think of Romans chapter 8, verse 15, and verses 26 to 27. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, 
Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And you cry out to God in your pain, trusting it must be true, verse 28. God works all things for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. But as we know from that verse we've talked about, it doesn't mean they're good things in themselves. They can be horrible, painful things. They can be real things from real enemies. But we can cry out to him in our desperation, trusting that's true. And Lord, preserve me. Lord, don't leave me. Lord, help me not leave you. I don't know what to say, but I'm on my knees before you. I'm taking it to you. And I'm expressing that I'm undone. Please lift me up. And the Bible tells us that those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit and trembleth at his word and are humble, those are the words that he comes close to and that he lifts up and exalts. And we're trying to be stoic as if we don't need to and we don't fall on our knees and crying in tears. We're denying being ministered to and we may have to be humbled so that we do cry. Remember the Israelites, they didn't cry at first, they just sighed before God delivered them. Thomas Hall, the Puritan Thomas Hall, says this related to our text today. Prayer is a work. Prayer is a work of the heart and not of the tongue. Words are but the outside of prayer. Tis the heart's desire which God eyes and respects. And if thy affections fly aloft, though thy words do but creep, Yet thy faith shall get what thy words cannot. Yea, if thou canst not speak, yet if thou canst weep, God will hear the voice of thy weeping. Tears have a voice as well as words. That's given to us in our book I've shared with you recently in some of our events for devotions, The Puritans in Prayer, Donald K. McKim, who says this again, who shares that quote and says this, God hears your tears. Now, I have a sermon point for you that I'll, that's a little bit longer and detailed than that, but that might be, I almost made that the message point because it's so easy to remember. There's the rhyme and the shortness of it. It's what you can say to yourselves. It's what you can say to one another as you comfort one another. Say, let us go to prayer, even if right now we just have to cry to God together. Once in a while, throw him out to help us. We're hurting. God hears, you can say, God hears your tears. They have a voice themselves of prayer. And God hears it, and when God hears it, that means he will respond to it. In his way, as we studied recently with one of these devotions, according to his means, which are usually not the means we would choose, so we wait on him, but God hears and he will deliver. Remember that Hannah cried in the temple, and God heard and gave her a son. God delivered the Israelites from Egypt after they cried out to him. Jesus wept. I mean, if you need any better example to 
get out of the stoic nonsense. Jesus wept. Because he felt in compassion, he felt the crying of those who were suffering the loss of their loved one to death. And then he raised Lazarus from the dead. First, he wept with those who were weeping. And it was sincere and it was real. Be encouraged to cry, remembering that weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. You see, weeping does also have this cleansing effect. It has a resurrection effect. It has a restorative effect in you. A voice of tears to God and to others can help and heal you. Don't be afraid to cry so that you always pray. I can't help but share this song. I won't sing it for you, mostly because I don't know it well enough. I can't help but think of this song I want to share with you. And I think it'll be interesting to remember who I remember singing it, how I know of it. It's called It's All Right to Cry by Carl Hall. It's all right to cry. Crying gets the sad out of you. It's all right to cry. It might make you feel better. Raindrops from your eyes, washing all the mad out of you. Raindrops from your eyes, it's going to make you feel better. It's all right to feel things, though the feelings may be strange. Feelings are such real things, and they change and change and change. Sad and grumpy. Down in the dumpy, snuggly, huggly, mean and ugly, sloppy, slappy, hoppy, happy, change and change and change. It's all right to know. Feelings come and feelings go. It's all right to cry. It might make you feel better. And then there's a spoken verse that says, it's all right to cry, little boy. I know some big boys that cry too such as David and Jonathan and Jesus and also the man that I know this song from you can find it on YouTube this really really big man mean Joe Green the famous you might say infamous football player for those amazing years of the Pittsburgh Steelers They were afraid of him on the field. (laughs) My understanding is he didn't like to be called that. He is like a big old teddy bear. But he's this big strapping guy. And he is singing this song to help children especially know that they can cry. But notice, think of it coming from him. This big strapping football player. It's all right to cry, little boy. I know some big boys that cry too. Uh, Beloved, perhaps David uh, would maybe counsel us. You don't necessarily have to try to take down a giant with a slingshot if you can get him to cry, get him to be vulnerable. While, while I was finishing the sermon this morning, early, early morning, I heard our 18-month-old crying a few times in the room next to me. I was in my office. He's going through the 18-month thing right now, and 
There's a whole lot of crying, and it's, it's a different crying. It's like he won't be comforted in bed when he's with us there. Sometimes after we got tired, <laughs> oh, I just come to bed with us because we're so tired. And um, sometimes the only thing that will help is just got to take him to the rocking chair in the bedroom and rock him. Try to lay down again, he starts crying again. We've noticed there's a couple of things going on. We've recognized what's causing him to cry. I, I heard that next time where I realized mommy needed some help, and I, I went in, and I gave mom a break, and I rocked him, and I comforted him. And, and the thing is, is why was I there? Because I heard his cry. If he was struggling alone with what he was dealing with, uh, he wouldn't have had the comfort. But crying out, that's how babies communicate. Mommy said she put up on Facebook recently, when your child cries, always go to them. Because that means they need something. It's how they communicate until they have words and other things. And that's how we can communicate to our Father in heaven and have him comfort us in the spirit. Cry out to him. I went to him. I comforted him today, this morning, because he cried. I'd been hearing him for a while. And there are times where the Lord will let us cry for a little bit to see if we're going to come to him or not. And we do need to learn how to comfort ourselves in the spirit. And there are places for unseemly crying and wailing that is really more about getting attention and avoiding responsibility. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about real, broken down, difficult suffering and needing the Father to come and help us. I helped him. His cry brought my comfort as his Father. And the same is to you and I with God the Father. Often you will feel alone. You will feel unheard. Go ahead and cry. Through Christ Jesus, who cried on the cross, it is finished. And in his pain and loneliness for you, your tears have a voice that God hears. And that is the message for you this morning. Psalm 6, verse 8. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. Beloved, your tears have a voice that God hears. Remember this scripture, especially with Romans 8. And never excuse yourself from praying to God. That is what Satan wants because God is the only place you will find comfort and help and healing ultimately. And often the only way you get close to him in such times is to cry and to cry out to him. Your tears have a voice that God hears. Let us pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you. We are not to be ruled by our emotions, but we are to take them to you. And our emotions are real, often have a cause. Even if there's not a justified cause, we come to you to seek peace, a sanctuary, sanity, comfort, strength, healing. Lifting us up on eagles' wings. And we know, Lord, as we cry out in our dependence to you, this is an act of worship. Recognizing our weakness and your strength. God is our strength, our ever-present help in danger. Oh, Lord, we cry out to you about how often we don't cry out to you. And then we distract ourselves as we go to things of the world to try to ease the pain and dull the pain and dull our thinking. When we could come on our knees before you and have a good cry before you 
and in due season and often not long after, walk out as David does, praising the Lord, saying such as in Psalm 73 where he said, I was like a beast. I wasn't coming to you. I was foolish, but then I came to you, and I am reminded that you are the strength of my life. You are my portion forever. There's nothing or no one I need besides you in heaven and earth. And he goes away saying, it was good that I drew near to God. And James reminds us that if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. How often do we need to allow ourselves to cry to you for this to happen? Help us not to try to stand in our own strength, O Lord. And help us to recognize that crying is not weak, but real men cry because they turn to the greatest man, Jesus Christ our Lord, for his help, whom only can help us. Bless us, O Lord, and hear our cries in our hearts as we continue to worship you. And heal us. Let us weep with one another. And then look forward also to rejoicing as you heal and deliver us. And we can say the Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. We pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and all your people said, Amen.